Oftentimes, if we don't feel there's a solution, we just don't talk about it. It causes stress. No one wants the conflict. So then there's just two people angry and then they live their lives. And then there's this underlying anger river that comes out sideways. But what if we decided to dig a little deeper? What if we sat down and relaxed the jaw? Where is this anger coming from? Why am I not understanding my spouse, my partner? What if I stopped needing to be right all the time? Hello, welcome back to Soul Speak. I'm Meg Michelson. Thank you so much for joining me. We are in February now, and regardless of when you hear today's episode, it's always an important time to look at relationships. So today's podcast is more focused on how do we create a healthy partnership, a healthy relationship, instead of complaining about it. What are those steps that would help us move from a place of feeling lack to a place of feeling fullness? And thank you again for being here and for anyone that is sharing with others. I so appreciate that. So what if we took a month? What if we decided to focus on something that would benefit us in our partnership for the next month? And if you're single, maybe it's developing a healthier partnership with yourself so you can bring in that partner that you want. We'll just keep getting partners that are okay until we really develop a healthier relationship with self, which of course takes time. And it's also not a one easy fix. It's, it's how we evolve over time. So if we chose to take a month, maybe even a week and mindfully create a healthier relationship, responding from a place of love, not lack. So what are some things we can focus on over this next month in your relationship, either with yourself or with a partner? How about focusing on time together? When you look at your calendar, how much time do you spend together? One of the clients I was recently working with, a younger couple in their 20s, and they're not spending time together. They're both really busy. She works multiple jobs. and she wants things to change, but they're not putting the time in or she's not putting the time in to the relationship. Every relationship needs time commitment. And whether that's dates in the house or out of the house or dates where you're um, having romance or dates where you're having conversation, hopefully all of those things. And even with yourself, of course, again, if you're single, creating time for you to connect healthfully within. When you want a healthy long-term relationship, having that time together really is a big deal. It requires us to find that balance between self and others. It really requires that time to find that me time, but also that we time. We have to feed the relationship cup. But it's so easy to get busy and put so much time into work. And oftentimes, the last person that gets attention, healthy attention, is self and then the couplehood. We want to feed that couple cup, right? When we are lonely and we are in the same house with somebody, 
Something definitely needs to fix. Something needs to straighten out. So having that time, going on dates, creating a picnic in the living room, but scheduling that time. So looking at your calendars, how much time are you spending being with each other in healthy ways? And if you have kids, it's even more important, of course, to do things away from the kids. So you have that relationship because in a healthy couplehood, in a healthy family, one of the strongest gifts you can give your children is a healthy relationship with your partner. That means that we need to make the time. Another way for us to create a stronger bond with each other, and I'm going to bring everything back to self because these are also things we should be doing with ourselves whether or not you're in a partnership, because the healthier you are within yourself, the healthier you are with others. When I created Wellhouse 1900, two and a half years ago, it was from the foundation of create a healthy relationship within so you can have a healthy relationship outside with others, with the world. So we got to start within. So creating healthy intimacy. What does intimacy even mean? And a lot of people go right to the physical. There are absolutely physical intimacies. That's touch, sexuality, sensuality. There is also emotional intimacy. And both of those involve some sort of trust. There are, of course, levels of intimacy. We might have one friend that we will share stuff with that we might not share with all of our friends. Or we have one that we share some things with, and then we have another we share some things with. And then we have our partner, that romantic partner. And hopefully, if you've been with each other long enough, you've developed a trust bond where you can share your fears, share your hopes, share your dreams. Because true intimacy means being able to share a whole range of thoughts feelings, experiences. We have a lot as humans. Being intimate means being open and talking through our thoughts, talking through our emotions, being vulnerable, being able to say those things that are sometimes frightening to say, and showing that person how you feel. You know, we can be in a partnership and two people have stopped even knowing each other. They don't let their guard down. They've just gotten in those old routines. And there's people that don't even know themselves because they stay so busy, they don't let themselves check in with their emotions enough. In order to develop a true intimate relationship, there's got to be that time and there's also got to be trust. So trust is part of that intimacy. Trust is earned over time with a new person, or it takes time to rebuild when lost. When we are in a truly intimate relationship, we are seen, we are heard, we feel safe enough to share our hopes and dreams, and we are also able to share our pain, the pain that that person caused you, the pain that we cause ourselves or other people. I can trust you with knowing my pain, because I know you won't use it against me when you're angry 
or being manipulative. Think about that. A true healthy partnership. We trust each other with knowing each other's pain, knowing each other's weaknesses, but we won't throw it at you later if you were able to talk to me about something that was really painful. If I throw it at you later, what happens to the intimacy? We lose all trust again. So when someone shares, we want to be very careful with that. Because every time we hold someone out, we create a larger chasm. And that means, again, we want to make sure we're not too busy. We want to make sure we're creating those safe spaces. And with ourselves as well. So have a conversation with your partner. Ask from a place of gentle kindness, of course, because we can share our pain. We can share our hurts. We can share our frustrations. But if we do it from a place of yelling or anger, like anger where we're not hearing each other, that's not working. That's not working. It comes from a place of surrender. It comes from that place of being able to be soft or at least opening the heart, opening the throat, not yelling, but being vulnerable, being kind, holding a hand, touching an arm. That's part of the trust. That's part of intimacy. Ask each other, Do you feel safe telling me things? And have them ask you, do you feel safe telling me things? You know, when we get angry, our bodies can get very rigid. Our heart gets shut. Our throat starts to close. We might be closing our ears. And then we might not even hear what the other person is saying. Because it's coming from that filter of all the years of ways we have been hurt or disrespected. The baggage that we have not yet resolved. However, when we share from a place of softness, it's easier for the other person to hear. And intimacy also includes asking for what we need and sharing how we feel, of course. But asking for what we need. We want someone like our partner to step in and help, yet we often just do it anyway. We clam up, stay resentful. No, that's fine. I'll do it anyway. And really, over time, that builds that new blueprint, which is one of resentment, rigidity, and then the distance between the partnership grows and grows. Some partners have built it to the point they can't go back. However, if there's still love and willingness and, of course, patience, we can go back to having a healthy, intimate relationship. Part of that is communicating with the people around you from that place of how you would want to be spoken to. Now, if you don't want to be yelled at, then we have to be careful that we're not yelling our feelings. So we want to choose our words wisely. We want to choose the tone wisely. And that takes practice and patience doing it to self too. Ask yourself, how well do you know your partner? Or are you just coming from that state of, yeah, they've always been this way, or they're not going to hear me anymore. Well, maybe they will. How well do you know that person? How often do you recognize what you love about that person? How often do you recognize what you love about yourself? 
the more we do that, the greater that intimate trust can grow. Another way to really help create from that place of mindfulness, create a healthier relationship, choose to understand each other. At the core of each of us, we all want to be accepted, we all want to be loved, and we absolutely all want to be understood. That takes a commitment. Of course, from self, it also takes a commitment to really understand and know your partner. There's a couple that I worked with years ago, and she was developing a beautiful spiritual side, and he didn't want any part of it. And he was so afraid that he was losing her to it. But they didn't talk about it. They got mad once in a while and and um, he might say something mad and she might say, well, you'll never get it. But what if they tried to understand? What if he said, explain that world to me? And she used to say, well, I tried and you wouldn't listen. You wouldn't read the books. You wouldn't come to any of the meetings. And he said, because that world doesn't interest me. Yet here, they're growing farther and farther apart, and he thinks he's losing her. But neither one wanted to have those conversations because they just got in that rut. They did, after time, and he started to acknowledge that world and try to even learn it. We want to come from a place of understanding each other. What if we decided to stand in our partner's shoes? When we felt angry at them, what if we decided to, I think I'm just going to stand in compassion a moment. I want to hear what they're saying. Oftentimes, if we don't feel there's a solution, we just don't talk about it. It causes stress. No one wants the conflict. So then there's just two people angry and then they live their lives. And then there's this underlying anger river that comes out sideways. But what if we decided to dig a little deeper? What if we sat down and relaxed the jaw? Where is this anger coming from? Why am I not understanding my spouse, my partner? What if I stopped needing to be right all the time? You know, what if we stopped trying to fix our partner? And instead went inward and said, okay, what do I want to learn here? I wonder why they're doing what they're doing. And what if we started to see them from that lens, from a place of beauty and awe? That's how we can stand in someone else's shoes and begin to understand where they're coming from. What's underneath that pain? So this month, what if instead of correcting self, of correcting your partner, we took a breath and paused and surrendered to find one thing that you love about that person, love about self. And then that softens us. And then the next thing could be, I wonder why they do that thing they do. I wonder why. I wonder why they're not talking to me. I wonder what happened. That's where the real healing can begin. When we really truly have committed to being in a place of understanding that person. Of course, otherwise, what do we do? 
I can't believe you don't get it. I can't believe you don't get me. However, instead of saying, you're a big jerk, I can't believe, here we go again, you're saying the same thing, you're not going to hear me, and here comes the wall. What if we said instead, let me try this again. It seems like you're not hearing me, or it seems like you're not understanding me. However, maybe if I say it this way. Now, it takes patience and it takes talking through something. It takes breathing. It takes opening both ears to really understand another person when something has gotten in the way, when you've created this pattern of thinking it's always going to be the same way. And when we allow ourselves to learn new, when we allow ourselves to learn different, now we're creating that new pathway in our brain. And the more we do that, of course, I've said this in other episodes, the more we create the new pathway, the more we decide I don't have to react the same all the time. I can choose instead to come from a place of understanding, to open and just open my ears, open my heart, because I want to come from a place of understanding. I don't want to come from a place of having to be right, of thinking I know, when maybe I don't. This new pathway would be to not rush, not assume, but come from a place of love. What does that feel like? What if we also chose to commit this month to noticing the positive shifts that that partner has made when they're trying to make a change. Notice more of the goodness within. One of my clients really has been making beautiful changes in how she is taking responsibility for her life and her actions from years of being a pleaser. She gave a lot to her family of origin, more than someone else in the family might. And so when her... Um, brother needed something. Her husband went right to, oh, why'd you say yes? Why'd you say yes? Because underneath that, he was thinking, now she's going to complain all weekend. Now she's going to just be mad about it. However, she has come from a place now of, I said yes. And so that was a choice I made. No one made me. I didn't have to do that. I'm not going to complain about it because it was a choice I made. That's big work she's been doing. He wasn't ready to see that. He was thinking it was going to go the same way it has in the past. And now I'm just going to hear the complaining. And that's a beautiful opportunity for her to understand where he's coming from and not get mad that now he's angry, but say, you know, I recognize this because in the past I would be complaining after I said yes, but I've really made some changes, John. And I would love it if you would recognize that I made these changes and I'm not complaining. And then I'm going to honor you by really committing to not complaining when I've said yes. That's that next phase of growth. Because we want to explain instead of assuming, instead of thinking, well, okay, they're not seeing my changes. Talk through it. I recognize in the past, I would be complaining about this. And, and I'm not sure, but am I safe to assume that you're thinking I'm going to be complaining now? And that's going to ruin our weekend. Instead, I've committed to only saying yes when I'm choosing to, so I won't complain about it anymore. But I get where you're coming from. 
What if we did that instead? What if we talked through something instead? Can we talk about why that bothers you? I'm wondering if it's because I used to complain about my family and them expecting too much, them not stepping up. And now I'm shifting it. And I would love it if you would recognize that too, John. That's where we start to ask. That's where we create the intimacy. And whether or not that person is ready, it might take your partner a while, but you still keep on that track because at the end of the day, it's really about you and your own growth. It helps the couplehood, absolutely. It really also helps you and your commitment to yourself. So see the changes, acknowledge the change your partner has made. And have certainly acknowledged the changes you've made. Also, what about seeing more of the good in each other? It's so easy to see the challenge. But that gets in our way so often because all we see is the challenge. Or our partner is changing and you might be jealous of that or they might be jealous of your changing. That fear, right? That fear that they're going to grow and now they're going to leave me. But then we talk about it. We want to share the goodness. Compliments. You know, it's so important to be complimenting each other. Authentic compliments. Thank you for. Thank you for making me coffee in the morning. Noticing more of the beauty. Noticing of the things they do for you. And noticing how they treat themselves in good ways. Just noticing that they're a good person. A woman that I work with, her husband travels sometimes. And the last time he was gone, they have a big fireplace and they heat their um, home with the firewood oftentimes. And she, when he was gone, she recognized how much he does. Like, wow, I was filling the fireplace and he goes out and chops the wood and brings it in. And then he gets me coffee in the morning. And that was a beautiful opportunity then for her to share with him all these ways that she is recognizing. Because otherwise, the complaints grow bigger and bigger. But if we go into gratitude, there maybe aren't that many bad things in the relationship. But if we're unhappy with ourselves, or if we're unhappy with one thing, it can spread like wildfire. So see the beauty. Notice the healthy. Notice the changes. Notice the goodness. And watch what happens in your relationship. Part of that is noticing how much stress is in your life. How much time do you give your own self so then you can give to the partnership too? Back to that young woman I was talking about, they were so busy, they weren't going on dates. Her life was so stressful. It's really hard for her to think about a date when she's not even giving herself a break. So we've got to come from that place of, am I allowing myself to have less stress? Or am I just running this crazy treadmill and then that partner wants me and I can't even give it to myself. So we want to be mindful of, am I creating a space of love for myself too? Checking your stress level. Then you'll have the time and you'll have the energy to give to your partner. And the last way I'm going to talk about today is committing to doing kind things for each other. How often Do we commit to doing kind things for each other? Not just on the way, I'm just going to, oh yeah, I'll just do this. It's really looking at your schedule and saying, have I been doing kind things for this person? 
So I'm going to come from a place of love this month. And I'm going to notice and look for ways to do kind things for this person. No, and it should be from the love language that that person has, right? There's a couple that I work with and they have grown so far apart. And he says he does so much for her. And she appreciates that. I don't think she's telling him enough. She appreciates all the acts of service. That's not her love language. That's his. So he's resentful because he's giving all these acts of service and she just wants to sit down and have quality time and touch. And so when she's not having sex with him, she's like, well, you're never here romantically for me. He says, well, I do all these things for you. Those are the things that are important to him. And absolutely, that's beautiful. And we always want to acknowledge that. If your partner is bringing you coffee or doing the dishes or making dinner, shoveling the snow, whatever it is. And then there's also, are you understanding the giving should be from that person's love language? You know, when I was married, sometimes I'd buy gifts for my ex-husband. Like one time I bought him a weekend writer's retreat and he didn't want that. He wanted a, he wanted a full stereo system. That gift was really disappointing to him something I would have wanted. That's why I was like so excited to give it to him. That was more hurtful to him because he was feeling like, wow, she doesn't even recognize what I want. So we want to really pay attention to what does our partner want? And that's good conversation, right? That brings up more intimacy. What is their love language? Is it acts of service or is it touch or is it quality time? I don't remember the other ones, but you can look them up. There's five love languages. And it's a variation, but get to know what helps your partner feel loved and do kind things for them from that place, that place of love that creates a stronger bond. So this month, this week, find ways to commit to creating a healthier partnership with yourself, and then with your romantic partner. Watch what happens at the end of the week or the month. And it's not going to go perfect. So you want to remind yourself it's going to be up and down and bumpy, but it can always be corrected. We want to recognize, oh, I messed up. How, how do I want to fix this? Accept responsibility for our mess ups. Be kind and loving and move forward. I wish you all a beautiful week, and I so look forward to connecting with you again next week. Hey, listeners, thanks again for joining me. If you want to learn more about me, services I offer, who I am, please check out my website, megmichelson.com. Also there, you can join my newsletter. I do a, the best job I can to send it out monthly, no guarantees. Follow me on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks again for coming. I'll see you next time.